We are Centrepoint Church. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Good morning. My name is Chris and I'm so pleased that we can gather today in our household all across Guildford and beyond to, to be together. Let me extend my welcome to you uh, along with John's. I'm so pleased that we've been able to get together today and what we're going to be doing is we're going to carry on our series called Faith in a Real World. Today I've called my talk Clash of Kingdoms and we're going to be in Daniel chapter 3. You know, when we're on holiday as a family, we love to go to the beach and we will spend a lot of time going in and out of the water and messing around. And often after lunchtime, when perhaps we don't want to go in the water anymore, we'll stop and make a sandcastle. Just last summer, when we were allowed to go to the beach, I remember us making this an amazing sandcastle. It had all sorts of trumpets and, and it had a big moat going all around it. The empire that I had built, the, the kingdom that I was in charge of was amazing. Of course the kids had some fun as well but this was just amazing. People were coming along and stopping and admiring my amazing kingdom that had been developed. I, I often will take proper spades and shovels down there to, to help. When we went back though the next day the kingdom was gone. It had been flattened by the waves. I spent all that time building a temporary kingdom. You know, today we're going to be looking at this clash of kingdoms. Nebuchadnezzar had this problem himself. Do I spend my time building my uh, temporary kingdom or praising and trusting in the God who rules over an eternal kingdom? And that's a good question for you to consider. Whose kingdom will you serve? Who is the king of your kingdom? Last week in Daniel chapter 2, we saw how King Nebuchadnezzar, he had a dream and he asked all the, the wise men in his area to interpret the dream. But he brought a caveat and that was that they had to tell him what the dream was as well as interpret it. They said that no one could possibly do this because gods do not reveal themselves to humans. And we saw how actually that's not the case, that the God of the Bible did reveal himself to Daniel and to us today in Jesus. Having had this uh, dream revealed to himself, King Nebuchadnezzar ends up praising the God of the Bible, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and Daniel's God. He declares is the God of gods and the Lord of kings the amazing climax of the end of that passage is that now the ruler of babylon is is the king of babylon is saying hey the god of the bible he is the one to trust he is putting his praise and honor and glory onto that god and so you'd expect that now as we press into chapter three that we'll be hearing about how this babylonian empire all starts trusting and worshipping in God. But that doesn't quite happen. There is a clash. A clash of what does Nebuchadnezzar really hold dear? Whose kingdom is he really building? And can he put that aside to trust in the God of the Bible? Oh dear, whose kingdom is he really eternal building? Kingdom. 
And so that's what we're going to look at today. And the way we're going to do it uh, and look at this clash of kingdoms is we're going to read through the Bible. So I'm going to read it through. And as I do, I'll comment along and then we're going to pull out three clashes that was true of, of that, of the passage and of that time and that can be true of us today. So let's let's read Jan, Daniel uh, chapter three, verse one says this. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high, six cubits wide and set it up on the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. Let's just pause there. Unbelievably, in defiance of the dream that he had been given, King Nebuchadnezzar, having had this dream where the he is the golden head, but then after him a kingdom of silver will come, then bronze and iron mixed with clay. He kind of doesn't quite take the moral of the story that this uh, eternal kingdom not formed by human hands will come and fill the earth. He doesn't trust in that. Instead, he thinks, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take that image, but I'm going to build a statue that the whole thing's gold because it's all about me. And I want everyone to know that this kingdom is my kingdom and I am the king of the kingdom. He goes and he builds it in the plain of Jura. And if you know your Bible, back in Genesis chapter 11, uh, people from all across the empire get together to build the Tower of Babel. And when they build the Tower of Babel in that same place, on the plain of Jura, they declare that we are doing this so that our name would be made great. And back here in the same place, about one and a half thousand years later, King Nebuchadnezzar is doing exactly the same thing. My name is going to be revealed and made great. And yes, I might die, but my kingdom and my rule and my glory is going to remain forever. And so he builds this massive statue, 90 feet high unbelievable let's carry on he then summoned the satraps prefects governors advisors treasurers judges magistrates and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up he wants no one to be in doubt that um, this is his kingdom and so he's invited everyone all the officials from the whole empire anyone he possibly could to come to the dedication so the satraps prefects governors advisors treasurers judges magistrates and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that king nebuchadnezzar had set up and they stood before it then the herald loudly proclaimed nations and peoples of every language this is what you are commanded to do as soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. Just pause there. Just in the last chapter, we had a bunch of wise men saying to King Nebuchadnezzar that what he was asking of them was impossible for people to do because gods don't, do not reveal themselves to humans. 
And so these same people that were embarrassed because actually God did do exactly that are then the very ones who we now find here at in chapter eight, in verse eight, who are about to snitch on Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Let's carry on. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what good will be, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisers, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. And he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, prefects, governors and royal advisers crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. For no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego 
to the province of Babylon. What amazing verses we've just read. A mighty clash of kingdoms was raging in Nebuchadnezzar's mind. Does he continue to build his his temporary kingdom or trust in the God of an eternal kingdom? That's a a big question. And we're going to see and look at three different aspects of those kingdoms. First of all, we're going to look at who's the king of the kingdom. Then we're going to look at the approach to suffering in each kingdom. And finally, the means of salvation that each kingdom offers. So first, let's look at who's the king of the kingdom. In Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, it's all about me. I am the king. Look at my statue, 90 feet high. All the satraps and prefects and governors come and worship me because I am the king. And no one would have been in any doubt who the king of the kingdom was and whose might and power and glory um, was behind this grand statue that had been set up. It's all about me and it's all about my power and my rights and my destiny and my honour and glory lasting forever and ever so that all will know who the king is. That's what we see at the start of the passage and do you know what? It's so easy for us to fall into similar thinking just like the people at the Tower of Babel had before wanting to build the Tower of Babel so that they could make a name for themselves just like a, one and a half thousand years later Nebuchadnezzar is doing just like two and a half thousand years later now we can find ourselves in our households being king of our kingdoms uh, looking at how everything is about me All my rights, my needs, my wants, my desires, my life is about me and attaining all the things that I need. At the start of the coronavirus, we saw lots of reports about people going and making sure that their kingdoms were secure, uh, making sure that their cupboards were stocked up and their their bathrooms were full of toilet roll. And uh, because we kind of have this sense of wanting to make sure that our empire is secure, we can all do that. We want to be the kings of our kingdoms. What that can lead to though is thinking about well it's all about me and my rights and therefore sometimes then the way that we do our relationships are well it's about me and the way I do my relationship. Therefore if I'm not satisfied well we'll part that one and we'll go on to a new one. If I'm not sexually fulfilled then I'll part that one and go on to a new one. If People in my workplace are slowing me down while I'm just going to climb over them to to get to the top because, you know, the kingdom is about me and I need to make sure that I am satisfied and I am fulfilled. And ultimately, our kingdoms are selfish kingdoms. It's kind of how society is and has been for millennia. We can see that through these stories. In contrast, God is seated on the throne in his kingdom. And we can find purpose, identity, security, significance and value in his kingdom. And that security is not based on what we have, our material possessions, those temporary things that are here today and yet tomorrow can be washed away with the tides of the water. But actually an eternal kingdom that will never fail or never be destroyed, a one that 
will fill the whole earth, the one that comes in majesty and glory and is not dependent on our own feelings or thoughts or desires, but on things that are external to us, on God's grace and his goodness and his love that he reveals to us through his son, Jesus. The, the verses in the, the Bible, uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in verse 17, they say this. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. They are confident in the kingdom and in the king of the kingdom. It's not in their own confidence. It's not that, well, we can do this. No, actually, we're confident in the king of our kingdom. And so they, they know, hey, actually, God is able to deliver us from this trial and this hardship. And they carry on and they say he will deliver us. They, they are. They're, they're, they're fortified in their vigorance, knowing, yes, actually, God can he, and he will. But then they go on, even if he doesn't, we will not bow down and worship the false idols of this world. We will trust in the eternal God. Even if the temporary things of our lives might look like they're wasting away, we will put our trust and our security in the eternal God, the God of the Bible. In that kingdom, rather than serving our own needs and our own desires, we want to serve those around us and help them. And so in, in our households, our, our first thoughts in, and in our relationships isn't, well, how can I make sure that my needs are fulfilled, but how can I fulfill others' needs? Something Catherine and I have been doing is asking each other at the beginning of the day, what can I do to bless you today? How can I serve you? And that's helping us to grow in our love for one another, our relationship and support one another. As we do that in our streets, just this week, we had many people in our neighbours helping us by providing us flour because it was our daughter's birthday. And obviously having a birthday in lockdown is is quite hard for a seven year old. And yet she was able to have an amazing cake because of the support we had around us. Serving others um, is the way we we go about this kingdom in in that God has established. And for Nebuchadnezzar. He wanted to be the king of the kingdom. But when God is the king of our lives and our kingdoms, then we find a deep sense of security, value, significance and safety. We can trust in him, just like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego did. The second clash that we can find in this passage is the presence of suffering. We can see that for when suffering occurs in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, it was a threat. Suffering was used as a threat to them. And so in verse 15, it said this, that if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Later on, we see how he heats it up seven times hotter because of his anger and his rage. When suffering happens, then we want to get angry and we want to have, be, find fault in someone. It's got to be someone's fault. It's your fault if you go through this, is what Nebuchadnezzar was saying. All you have to do is bow down to my idols, bow down to these, and, and you won't have to suffer like this. That's how suffering was represented. You can be saved by worshipping this false idol. That's what he said. You know, we can feel threatened by the suffering that is going on around us. I mentioned, you know, struggling with our 
daughter's birthday the other day, but you know, there's other things that are feel threatening. You know, I know people in our church in our midst that have, aren't able to go to their funerals. I've got some friends whose wedding has been cancelled, and this is threatening to our kind of well-being. And this suffering is bringing on and can bring on anger and, and rage. And why can't I do this? Why can't I go out? Why can't I do the things that I want to do? These things that I've been saving for and planning, that holiday that I had booked. And it can bring this, this rage. And we can be tempted to want to put our trust into false idols, into the things that might bring a, a temporary satisfaction. We can want to put our trust in things like alcohol or drugs we can be tempted to want to put our trust in in things that perhaps might just bring a bit of short-term satisfaction but will always bring long-term problems you know it's so easy to want to put our trust in false idols you know many people might have their cupboards stocked with the loo roll but you've got to ask yourself is that really bringing any kind of sense of peace in the midst of this situation you know false idols never prove to deliver the rewards that they promise and they equally don't always prove to deliver to to deliver the threats that they um give either we find in this passage that um the threat of suffering was given to Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, but actually it wasn't them who died, was it? It was the, actually the people that bowed down to the idols were the ones actually that ended up getting burned. They put their trust in a temporary thing instead of an eternal thing. You know, in contrast, suffering in God's kingdom is actually not used as a threat, but it's used to refine us. Um, in God's kingdom and in the Bible, we see that suffering is, is, is a part of life. There's very realistic about that. If you think that putting your trust in Jesus will just mean that your life is easy sailing, well, very quickly you'll find out then that's far from the truth. But it is used to refine us. And there's many verses like in Peter that talk about it refining us like gold. When gold is placed in the furnace, then it takes off all the 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 bad aspects of the gold it refines it it makes it purer and better looking and and so what happens is that when we go through sufferings what it can do is it can refine our faith it can make us purer it can it can help us to trust in god and the bible even better you know the promise of the bible that is spoken more than any other is the promise that i will never leave you or forsake you and so as we go through suffering, we are reminded of these promises and we put our trust in the God of the Bible. And we say, God, I, I'm trusting in this time. I'm trusting that you will be faithful to your promises, that you will never leave me or forsake me. It reminds us of the things that are really important in life. You know, it's really important that we remember all those people that have served us so well during this season the the nurses and doctors of course but also the delivery drivers and the shop workers and the refuse disposal technicians just the other day our family we stood outside as they came to collect our bins and we applauded them they, they probably thought that we were we were nuts but we wanted to thank them when we go through suffering we're reminded of the things that are important in our lives and we're grateful for them all the more suffering it helps to refine our face it helps to us to remember what's important in life and do you know what it brings us hope jesus said whoever loses life will gain it for my sake when we go through suffering we're reminded to cling to the things that not are temporary but are eternal 
And in God and in his son and through the Holy Spirit, we're reminded of one that even if we lose our life, well, actually we gain it in him. And we trust in, in him and we, we place that in him. And as we do, it's not that we are immune to disease. No, that's not true. But we can go through this season with a peace that surpasses all understanding, trusting in him for a glorious future and a hope that is secure in him. So that whether we, we die or perish, whether we become ill, whether we become redundant, actually we can have a firm foundation that is below all those things that keep us in his firm grip, secure and valued with our dignity. That doesn't go when we lose our job. That doesn't go when we become ill. No, we keep them because they were never in those temporary things to begin with. They were always in God's love for us. The last thing that causes this clash is the means of salvation. For Nebuchadnezzar, he said, if you want to save yourself, well, you can do it. You just need to bow down to this false idol. You can do it yourself. You can save yourself. That's what he says in chapter, in verse 15. If you fall down and worship the false idols that I've set up, then you can save yourself and you won't have to go through the, the blazing furnace. It'll be very good. But the reality was that although they could have at any point, even after the furnaces had been raised up seven degrees hotter, or seven times hotter, even though that had happened, they chose not to. In fact, like I said before, it was those that bowed to the false idols. They were the ones that actually died. He might say in order to have life, you need to worship the false gods. He might be interested in those short term solutions. But do you know what? Those rarely ever bring long term comfort and joy. He was all about getting immediate praise and immediate comfort. We saw that as he builds a statue and he gathers everyone around. He wants that from the people around him. But the kingdom of God is not about short term pleasures. It's about long term destiny, long term hope, long term salvation. We can all want to uh, find temporary solutions in our lives. But salvation, it doesn't come from us from our individuals the means of salvation is not about trying to save yourself like you possibly could just like they asked the question what god could possibly save you from the furnace that is a great question what god could possibly save you well it's the god of the bible they put their trust in god and in the last few verses it says this Verse 24, then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men we tied up and threw into the fire? Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. And then he shouted, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor were the hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them at all. Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command. They were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own. Did you notice that right at the end that... God sent and rescued his servants. 
he sent an angel. That, that angel was a theophany. It's what theologians use to represent Jesus in the Old Testament. You get these occurrences throughout the Old Testament. And this seems to be one of them where uh, this one that looks like the son of man, the son of the gods, is in the presence of uh, people in that time. Here he's in the furnace with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. He sent this, God sent this person and he rescued them. And how they responded was that they put their trust in him. That's what Nebuchadnezzar declares. They trusted him and were willing to obey him. You know, in exactly the same way in in God's kingdom, God sent his son Jesus to this earth to rescue me and you. Our sin and our shame separated us from a relationship with our heavenly father. And yet God sent his son to rescue us, to pay the price of our sin, to, for it to be nailed to the cross. So that when we put our trust in Jesus, we can be rescued and have a relationship with him. We do that by, by praying. We do that by trusting in him and obeying what he calls us to. And that's exactly what Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego do. They trust and are willing to obey. They follow him and and they serve him and, and they declare that he is their firm foundation. He is their true God. It's easy for life to be like Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, for it to be all about me, for us to be angry and frustrated at suffering and for us to trust in false idols in times of need but God's kingdom is so much greater he sent his son Jesus to be with us to make a way for us to know our security significance and identity in him and so God is on the throne of his kingdom not us and we trust him suffering actually refines us it's a part of life but it helps us to grow in relationship with him it helps us to have a better perspective of all those around us and to serve those in our midst and you know what when we trust in him it's far from a short-term solution it's a long-term success that we will be with God through his means of salvation by sending his son Jesus to die in our place So whose kingdom will you serve? Nebuchadnezzar in this passage ends up by the very end declaring that only God could possibly do this. And he makes a decree that this is the God that people should worship. Uh, What about you? Who's the king of your kingdom? Who will you choose um, to trust in for your long term joy and satisfaction? God is even more committed to that than even yourself are. And he reveals that and shows that through sending his son and now by sending his Holy Spirit to fill us and be with us today. And we can know that in our hearts and trust him and follow him, be obedient to him. So let's pray before we worship again. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much that you are sovereign over everything. Thank you, Lord God, that your kingdom is great, everlasting and eternal. And Lord, when we come across clashes, Lord, in our lives where we seek to want to place ourselves as uh, the God of our kingdoms or we, we seek to put false things in the place of you. When we look to trust in things that just bring short term temporary satisfaction, actually, Lord, I pray help us to to do away with those things to say, no, we are going to serve you and you only. 
Help us, Lord God, to put our trust in you, our firm foundation, uh, a foundation that doesn't shake and doesn't move, but is steady and firm. Thank you, Lord God, that you can fill us with your peace and your presence in the midst of all of this. Help us, Lord God, not to get angry or frustrated with those around us or, or to the situation that's going on, but to continue to, to trust you in the midst of this all. Lord, we want to continue to pray for our, our government. Help them, Lord God, as they help our nation to fight through this uh, pandemic. And so we just want to lift up, Lord God, everyone in our midst uh, to you and ask you, Lord God, to have your way amongst us. Lord, for those of us who have lost loved ones, Lord, I pray would you bring a real firm peace, Lord God, into our, our lives. Help us to know that you are near, that you're not going to leave us or forsake us, but you're with us in the midst of the furnace. You are standing with us in the trials. Thank you that you won't leave us. And so I just pray, help us to, to know your presence, Lord God, through these situations, through these trials and others that we will face. I pray. Thanks for listening. Please do come and visit us Sundays, 10am at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.